Well, hey, I want to say just a huge hello to all of you who are joining us here in Greenfield and to, of course, all you great people who are joining us from the OC campus. Hey, great to be here with everybody. Hey, next week is a big week for us because next week we launch or begin a series, what has become actually an annual series for us, and we call it Live Big. And what we do for Live Big is we try to mobilize our entire church and we challenge everybody to give away their time, talents, and resources to support nonprofits that are making a difference both in our community and in our communities. Uh, we believe that what we do here all year round makes a difference, but during Live Big, I like to think about it this way. This is when we put our church on steroids, so to speak. And I know they're legal in sports, but they're legal here, okay, just at least for, during Live Big. Uh, but no, it just really is a time where we try to make an even bigger difference uh, in our community and in our communities. And, uh, and I tell you, this year, the focus of this year for Live Big is going to be really, really cool. In fact, I'm going to tell you what it is. Next week, you have to come back next week to talk about our focus. But uh, hey, really look forward to kicking off next week. Hey, if you know somebody... And they're like, well, I don't, I don't like church people, or I don't like church, but I really want to make a difference. Uh, Live Big is a great series for you to invite that person to, so bring them back as we kick off Live Big next week. But before we get to Live Big, we are wrapping up our series, Is God Fake News? And uh, what's interesting is that for some of you, you started to come to church uh, during this series, and if I was to ask you the question at the beginning of the series, Is God Fake News? You would have leaned towards yes. But then something happened along the way. The Brewers started to win. And, uh, and you were like, you know what? When I started coming to church, things really began to take off. And so, you know, you're, you're like going like, could it be that maybe I'm going to church and God and the Brewers, you know, and you're starting to connect things, connect things. And, uh, you know, now I know they, they lost yesterday, but, you know, you're like, I think this, this could be. And so now you're starting to change your answer. In fact, some of you, you're so excited about the whole thing. You know, you're starting to pray prayers like this. Hey, God. If you allow them to win the World Series, I'll be a missionary. I don't know what that means. I just want them to win a, I want them to win a World Series. But no, all kidding aside, hey, we're, we're, we're glad that you're here. You've been glad you've been journeying with us through this series. If you're uh, just kind of stepping in today, this is your first time here, uh, you are at the end of a movie, uh, so to speak. And so let me just kind of catch you up. And, and if this interests you, uh, you can go on our website or you can download our app and you can kind of catch up with what you missed. But here's where we've been going over the last, last couple of weeks. We've said for most of us, you know, we grew up, uh, in this category right here. Uh, we grew up being told about God, maybe believing in God, going to church, going to religious school, and uh, so we, we grew up believing about God. But then something happened in our lives that caused us to question everything that, that we believed in. You know, maybe for some of us, uh, we experienced some sort of transition in our life, and, uh, and that transition resulted into a more non-religious environment. Maybe it was uh, you changed schools, you changed friends, maybe you changed cities. And so you were around people, and uh, they didn't care about religion, they didn't care about God, they didn't have to go to church on Sunday, and, uh, and, and you were like, they're just happier, you know? They're just happier without that. Or for some of you, you experienced a tragedy in your life. And uh, that tragedy, you were like, Where, where's God in that? Why would God allow that to happen? You know, for some of you, you got in high school, and you started taking science class or some other things, and so you began to have questions about faith, and so you'd ask people questions, and uh, you got answers, but these answers didn't seem to satisfy you. And so for you, you fought your way from faith. And so here's what happened. You know, you were here, but over time, you began to move over here. Now, most of us don't move all the way over to this category, even, even though some of us have moved over into this category. You know, but for most of us, we find ourselves right here in the middle. 
about doubt. We have doubts about category one over here. We have doubts about God, but despair at the thought of this being all that there is. And so our goal for this series has been, hey, if you started here and you began to move this way, our goal has been, hey, we just want you to start moving back in this category. We want you to start moving this way. And we don't want you to move back blindly. You know, we want you to move back asking questions. And we want you to move back with your doubts. And we want you to move back with your skepticism. It's kind of like, I'm not really sure about the whole miracle thing and the Jesus thing and the Bible thing. You know, we want you to move back this way with all of that. Now, one of the things that I, I love about our church, and I'm just going to brag on all of you, you know, j- just for a minute, if, if you don't mind, but it has been our dream from the very beginning that we would be a place where anybody can come, that no matter what they believe, and this would be a safe and appealing place for them to work through and search through those things. And that it, what's, what's great about that is I'll get people that, that come or, or come to me, they meet me out in the lobby or they meet me in Oak Creek when I'm there, and, uh, or they send emails, and it's been, it's been happening a lot during this series, actually, and they'll say things like, hey, I've been coming. I just want you to know that I just don't, I'm not sure about the whole Jesus thing. I don't believe in the Bible, really. The Bible's got some weird stories in it and all that stuff. Or they'll say things, I'm trying to find faith or refine faith. And, you know, I'll just say, like, hey, that's great. Keep coming. Keep coming. Hey, that's, that's no problem. You just keep coming. And so if you're skeptical, listen, if you're skeptical, we need you to keep coming because you'll keep us honest. You'll say, you'll, you'll keep us from, how did that happen? Well, I just have faith. How did that happen? Just believe. Hey, what about, no, just have faith, just believe. You see, we actually think questions is a very good thing because we think asking the right questions can lead to some very important discoveries. And so if you find yourself in the middle, we just want to say, hey, come on, keep come, come this way, come this way, come this way. Now, one last thing. I just want to address or talk to uh, all the dads who are, who are listening or who, who are watching from Oak Creek or who are watching online, and uh, you've started to step away or you've stepped away, and as a result, when you stepped away, you took the rest of your family with you. Listen, please don't let your skepticism rob your children of a foundation that will serve them for the rest of your life. Now, I know what your pushback is. Your pushback is, well, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want you to be a hypocrite either. What I'm, what I'm asking you to do is, is as you're wrestling and as you're asking questions and as you're kind of searching through all this, I just want to encourage you, keep your family, especially keep your children in church because you will lay a foundation for them that'll serve them when other things in life stop serving them. You know, I'll have people, I'll, I'll parents say to me, well, I'll just, I just want my kids to make a decision for themselves. Listen, you don't do that with math. And what I just want to encourage you to do is just keep them in the environment and let them make the decision for themselves But listen, we believe that this, what they learn here, could actually have a greater impact than even math. So what I want to encourage you to do, continue to take a step. Continue to take a step. I want to encourage you to to listen to stuff, read stuff, you know, uh, watch things. You know, for some of you, uh, a couple weeks ago, we encouraged everybody to read the book of John in the Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, we give them away for free at both of our campuses. Head out of here and uh, take a free Bible. You know, read the book of John. Just continue to read things. In a, it, or oftentimes around here, we'll offer this uh, thing called starting point. And starting point is just for people in the middle. And this is going to continue what you're doing here. Next starting point thing jump into a starting point group, you know, or maybe for you, it's you actually get involved in Live Big. Now, I know some of you are like, yeah, but Mark, I don't believe this stuff. Listen, it's okay. You can still take steps, even if you feel like they're baby steps, even though you don't believe. 
You know, we like to say you can belong here before you believe. And the reason why we believe that is because the people that first followed Jesus, they didn't believe initially. They didn't believe, and then they believed, and then, you know, they didn't believe, and then they believed again, and as a result, they changed the world. And so my prayer for you throughout this series, and it will continue, is that you will continue to take a step. Now, today what I want to do is I want to ask you a big favor. And, uh, and, and, and I ask this big favor for those of you who are, are stepping away or you have stepped away. And here's what I want to ask of you. I just want to ask that you would be completely honest with yourself. Now, I know that sounds you know, kind of easy on the surface, but it's not that easy. And here's why. Every time I have been completely honest with myself, I've had to admit something to myself that I didn't want to admit to myself. I've had to own up to something I didn't really want to own up to. And the reason this is such a difficult thing for us to do is because of something we are all very, very good at. And it's this, self-deception. You see, it's one thing to deceive someone else, but it's another thing when we deceive ourselves. You see, self-deception always takes us down a bad path. Self-deception never makes our lives better. And here's the thing, we all know this. Because for some of us, you know, we can just think about how different our lives would be if our dad was just honest with himself about his drinking. Or our mom was completely honest with herself about the wounds from her past. You know, for some of you, you went through the pain of a divorce. And, you know, you think back to that and you just go, you know what, if, if either me or my spouse were completely honest with ourselves, if we had the courage to look in the mirror and go, you know what, this is my deal. This is my issue. I need to stop making excuses for my life, and I need to take responsibility for my life. And so what I just, I just want to encourage you to do for the rest of my time, I just want you to be completely honest with yourself about what you believe about God. Now, I know that sounds kind of insulting, you know, to a degree, but listen, just, it, it's not meant to be insulting. Hang with me, and you'll see why by the time I'm done. Years ago, a guy named Thomas Nagel came out with this book, and it was called Mind and Cosmos. Now, I'm going to read you the subtitle because I know you can't see it. Oak Creek, I know you definitely can't see it. Here's the subtitle of this book. Why the materialist neo-Darwin conception of nature is almost certainly false. I'm so mad at that because I wanted that to be the title of my first book, you know? I mean, isn't that just an appealing subtitle? Uh, but no, all, all kidding aside, uh, Nagel is, uh, was a professor at NYU. He, uh, he, he taught... Uh, law and philosophy, and he was also an atheist. And in this book, he talks about how, how the, the atheist community will accuse the religious community of what they call the God of the gaps. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about this a little bit, but it's the whole idea that when religious people can't explain something, they look at that gap that they can't explain, they just go, God did it. God did it. Oh, that's God. That's God. That's God. And so, so Nagel talks about how, how the scientific community does the very same thing. He says they have gaps, and so they just go, natural selection did it. Natural selection did it. Oh, that's natural selection. And he says there's a double standard here. And in this book, Nagel talks about how, um, how, how this whole idea of value in people, he just wonders where that comes from because that's definitely there, and he sees that. Well, in a book he wrote earlier called The Last Word, listen to what he said. This is so fascinating. He said this, I want atheism to be true. 
And I'm made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious people. In other words, I'm uncomfortable with this. And I just love his honesty here. He's, I just admire this. He goes, listen, I'm not sure if it is, but I want atheism to be true. And then he continues. He says this. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm, I'm in, in my right belief or hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. You know, and for some of you, you have never given yourself permission to, to, to acknowledge this, but it's how you're feeling. It's like if I'm completely honest with myself, I don't really want there to be a God. And I get why you feel that way. Because you're smart enough to know that if you open up that door just a little bit, you're not sure if the door will ever close. And so what, what Thomas Nagel is alluding to and what you're smart enough to know is this, is that there's a big difference between I don't believe it and I don't want to believe it. You know, I don't believe it goes go something like this. It's like something happened in my life and I can't reconcile that and faith. You know, I, I don't believe it is, you know, I grew up in this, this religious bubble with my family and then I moved away and experienced something else and, you know, I just don't believe that anymore. You know, I don't, I don't believe it is, hey, I, I went to high school and I, I took science class or I went to college and a professor said something. I don't really just believe that anymore. I don't want to believe that has to do with the will. I don't want to believe because. I don't want to believe because. I don't want to believe because. Very big difference. And so let me ask you, if you're thinking of stepping away or if you have stepped away, why is it? Why is it? Is it, I, I don't believe it, you know, something happened in my life or there's information that I've yet to discover yet, or is it, I don't want to believe it, and I know that's meddling a bit, but I just want you to be completely honest with yourself. Is it that faith became inconvenient for you? It was like, okay, uh, I went away to college. And then when I was at college, everybody was blank, you know? And there's a lot of blanks that you can put in there. But, you know, everybody was blank, and you can kind of fill it in. And you're, and you're like, you know what? I don't want to be the only one who's not. And I want to start doing everybody what, what everybody is doing. And so you began to come up with reasons as to support why it was okay for you to do what everybody else was doing, even though you knew you shouldn't do it. And part of those reasons gave you reason to move your faith out of the way so you could play. You see, if the issue is, you know what, I don't believe it, you know, listen, there's, there's answers. There's information out there. But if the issue is, I, I, don't really want, I don't really want to believe it. Listen, your leaving has to do with will and want. Your leaving has to do with inconvenience. You know, faith is a roadblock for you to do something that you want to do. And so I could stand up here and I could pound out information and pound out answers, but it's not going to help you because it's not the real issue. Blaise Pasquale, who, is a, who was a 17th century mathematician philosopher, many of you may have heard of Blaise Pasquale, he said this. He said, you know, people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. And so here's what he means by this. None of us are on a truth quest. I guarantee you none of us got up this morning and said, oh, 
I just want to find out the truth. In fact, I'm willing to abandon everything I've ever believed in if someone just tells me the truth. Now, if, if you got up doing that, I, here's the thing. You probably don't get invited to a lot of parties, you know, because you're probably not a fun person to hang around with. You know, none of us, none of us are on a truth quest. You know what we're on? We're on a happiness quest. It's like, I want to be happy. So here's what I think makes me happy. And as a result of this making me happy, let me put some beliefs and let me put a worldview under that that supports why I want to be happy. Now, when this doesn't make me happy anymore, I'm just going to kind of move this over here, and then I'll change my beliefs and my worldview to support it. You see, what we do is we define happiness for ourselves. And then, you know, we accommodate our beliefs to accommodate what we believe will make us happy. St. Augustine, who was a third century uh, theologian, uh, here's what he wrote. He wrote, hey, when we love the truth when it enlightens us. We hate the truth when it convicts us. Now, here's how we all know this. We can all think back when we were kids and we would argue with our mom and argue with our dad. And here, here's the thing. Uh, when you argued with your mom and argued with your dad or argued with both, were you trying to get at the truth? Was it like, okay, mom, listen, I, I want you to enlighten me. I want to hear the truth. And then your mom, you know, would, would say a bunch of stuff, you know, did you go, you know what, mom, I feel enlightened. I, I got the truth. I think I'll ground myself now. You know, nobody, you know, nobody, nobody did that. It was like, you know, they, they would argue, they would argue, they would argue, and then we would argue, and we would argue in a way because we wanted to get our own way. And this is why we will argue and continue arguing even when, and we did this, when we were wrong. I bet you most of us here, all of us here, if we're honest, we had this experience when we were arguing with a loved one, and we were arguing, and then like, it's like right during the middle of the argument, you realize this, uh-oh, they're right. You know, and what did we do? We kept arguing. It's kind of like the craziest thing, you know? And, you know, why do we do that? Because we're not after the truth. We just want the win. It's not a matter of right and wrong. We just want to look like or think to everybody else that we're right. And so there's just something inside all of us that we don't want to lose even when we're wrong. That, you know, we want to be right even when we're not right. So here's the question I, I want to leave you as we just kind of wrap up our series. And here's the question. What is it that causes you to not want to believe? You know, if you're, if you're stepping away right now, or if you have stepped away, I just think it's a good idea for you to have an answer to this question. You know, could it be the real reason you are stepping away or you have stepped away is not the real reason you give? You know, I want to give you three statements that just might be the real reason. And when I, and when I give you these statements, once again, I, my favor I'm asking is I just want you to be honest with yourself. You don't have to be honest with anyone else around you, okay? I, this is between you and you, okay? I want you to give you three statements, and I, I, just, I just want you to be honest with yourself and see if this might be the real reason. Okay, here's statement number one. If there's a God, I'm guilty. Could it be? There are things about your past that are so big and so embarrassing that if there is a God, then it brings these things front and center, and you're just ashamed of those things. It's like, if I go there, 
then I have to start dealing with some of these things. And I can't just explain them away with, well, you know, I was young and, and uh, you know, everybody was doing it and I, I just kind of made a mistake and all that stuff. You know, could it be, as you just kind of go there, would be having to go there with this sort of thing, then you take a look at those mistakes that you made and maybe they're not necessarily mistakes. Maybe they become something bigger and they go from mistakes to possibly I have sinned. I mean, think about some of your biggest mistakes. Maybe for you, some of your, your, your biggest mistake was you hurt someone deeply that you love. Or your biggest mistake was you took something from someone and you can never, doesn't matter what you do, you can never pay that back. You know, and you just can't reconcile that whole thing. You know, maybe for some of you, your biggest mistake, when you think about it, you know, you go below the surface, you did it on purpose. And so here's the thing. If, if, if I admit that there's a God... All of this gets a lot bigger. And if I'm honest with myself, I don't want to feel that, even though I know this is all something bigger. Here's the second statement. If there's a God, I'm accountable. You know, this is the story of Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden. Now, I know for some of you, you, you were like, well, I, I believe the Garden of Eden story is, is just a myth. But here's the thing. If it's a myth, it's the greatest myth in history. Because the story of, of the Garden of Eden is really all of our stories. It is a story of two people wanting to live their lives apart from God. It's a story of two people not wanting to be accountable to anyone. It's two people going, I want to do my own thing. I want to be my own person. Which, by the way, always leads to regret. Because unaccountable people always make decisions, eventually speaking, that will lead to regret. Because... They're not responsible to anyone. So here's what we do. We live loud, busy lives because then we don't have to deal with it. You see, if there's a God, if I admit that there's a God, then there's a standard I have to live up to, up to which means I'm accountable. I don't really want to be accountable. Here's the last statement. If there's a God, then I've been wrong. Now, have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so difficult for us to say, I'm wrong? You ever wonder that? And guys, this is a big one for us. It's like we can be talking to that person that we love, you know, and they're like, hey, will you just admit that, that you're wrong? And, you know, we're like, I was, I mean, we got face contortion going on. It's like, I was, you know, we can't even say, can I write it down, honey? Can I write it down, you know? And all that stuff it is so difficult for us, guys. And it's difficult for all of us. It is so difficult to say, you know, I, I was wrong. And, you know, as it gets even harder. I think it's the hardest thing as we, as we kind of talk about the element that we're talking about today in it. And I think the reason this is the hardest part in our lives to admit we're wrong, because this is where we bump up to this H word here, humility. Humility. Now, here's the thing about humility. You know, if we weren't talking about this right here, what we're talking about, we would all say humility is a very good thing to have. You know, humility, it leaves us open to new information. It makes us smarter. It makes us wiser. It makes us open to new options. You know, I was wrong is the, is the most direct route to discovering what is right. Instead, we like to just kind of hold on to our arguments. If there's a God, I'm guilty, I'm accountable, and I've been wrong. Now, here's the thing about those statements. Those statements aren't arguments for or against anything. You know what they are? They're just responses. 
responses to, you know what, I don't want to admit that I'm guilty and I'm accountable and I'm wrong. But let me ask you this, and once again, honest with yourself, honest with yourself, let me ask you this. Isn't it true that your arguments against God came after your decision to not want God? I mean, it was like you're married, and then you meet this girl, and then you kind of look at your situation and you go, you know what, I think I may have married the wrong person She's the right person. And so what do we start to do? We start to justify our decisions. And we say, like, oh, you know, i got to pull out of church, you know. And then, you know, we start to create arguments in our mind of why we need to walk away from God. And, uh, but here's the thing. You know, your argument against God came after your decision. Now it's like, well, you know, I don't want God. I don't want God is not an argument for or against God. It's just a response. Now this brings us to some good news. And I, I know some of you are like, Man, is there any good news in all this? There actually is a lot of good news in all this, and you're not going to want to miss it. You see, when we get to this place where we acknowledge that the issue is our resistance, not God's existence, we're ready to take a step. And when I'm talking about resistance, I'm talking resistance to, you know what, I might be guilty, I might be accountable, I might even, I might even be wrong. Because when we get to this point, when we admit, when we admit to ourselves, like, all right, this isn't about science, this isn't about God's existence, that it really is about my resistance. We are in the place, the exact place where we need to be. Because if Jesus was correct, and, and there's a lot of evidence to say, say that he was, that means there's forgiveness. That means that there is an opportunity for us to discover and experience just how much we matter to God. In fact, the Apostle Paul, Paul, who at one time in his life focused his entire life on killing anyone who would follow Jesus. This same Paul got to a point where he had to admit that he was wrong. And understand, when he admitted he was wrong, this meant innocent blood was on his hands. This same guy, he wrote this, and he says it so perfectly. He said, but God demonstrates. God demonstrates. Not, hey, I want to tell you about something. This is, I want to prove it to you. I want to show it to you. Actions speak louder than words, demonstrates his own love for us of all the things God could have demonstrates. He chose to demonstrate just how much he loves us. That God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, you know, while we were still guilty, while we were still accountable, while we were still wrong, not mistakers, not, you know, when I was young, bigger than that. Now, it's so easy to read this. And to go, Paul, that just sounds so judgmental, so judgmental. But it's like Paul's going, and you can almost hear him going like, hey, listen, I'm not judging. This is my story. No one was more wrong than me. Well, Paul, how did he demonstrate it? How did he demonstrate it? Hey, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still deceiving ourselves with, you know what, I don't want to believe, I don't want to believe, I don't want to believe, Christ died for us. You know, all people ask me, or I've been asked this a lot, and, and they'll ask me, why couldn't God just forgive everybody? You know, why not, you know, why the gore, why the blood, why the cross, you know, why the sacrifice and all that stuff? Just, why not clean slate it all? Here's why. Because God wanted a relationship with humanity, and you can't have a relationship with someone you're not willing to sacrifice for. You see, I don't know that you really love me until you're willing to sacrifice for me. Which this means, and this is so powerful when you think about it, it means this, every relationship demands sacrifice. Every offense requires forgiveness. 
Every offense requires both parties to come together eventually in restitution. And so Paul says, he says, hey, through Christ, God demonstrated his forgiveness and restitution while we were still guilty, while we were still accountable, while we were still wrong. So let me ask you, let me ask you, do you want to live the rest of your life outside of that? Listen, to resist accountability to God is to resist relationship with God. And if God would go to such extremes to demonstrate his love for us, listen, wouldn't you want a relationship with that God? You know, wouldn't you at least want to take a step towards him and to discover for yourself if it's true? And come on, what could make us happier, ultimately speaking, than that? Because you know what that means? That means there's forgiveness. That means there's relationship. That means there's truth. That means there's grace. So if the question is, who wants God? At some point, none of us do. But if the question is, who needs God? All of us do. And that is really good news. You know, many of us uh, may may not realize this or, or we don't know this, but Jesus had siblings. In fact, the New Testament gives us the name of of some of his siblings. And none of his siblings uh, believed in Jesus until after the resurrection. I mean, they thought he was crazy. They they, they thought he was nuts. Well, he has a famous brother, and, and, and his brother's name is James. And James got to a point where he had to admit he was wrong about his brother being the son of God. Now, can you imagine having to admit to your sibling that you were wrong about him being the son of God. I mean, can you imagine that tough conversation? But James, he gets to this point where he does, and he's forgiven about his very outspoken, non-following of his brother. Well, before he dies, he writes a letter, and it's found in the New Testament. It's called the book of James, and here's what James writes. He writes, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee for you. Submit yourselves. He's like, I know it's hard to do, I just want you to admit that you're wrong. It's okay. It's okay. And then he says, come near to God, and he'll come near to you. Come near. I just want you to take a step. Just take a step. Take a step towards God, even though you've been spending most of your life stepping away from God. And then he continues, and he says this. Hey, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. It's like, James, did you get up on the wrong side of the bed this morning? Because holy smokes, what is that? That's just figurative language for, hey, admit it. Admit it. It wasn't just mistakes. It was bigger than that. Essentially, is what he's saying. He's come on, come on, come on, come on. Stop playing games with yourself. Be honest with yourself. And then he wraps it up with this. Humble yourself before the Lord. There's our word. And remember, humility is a good thing. Humility opens us up to new options and opportunities. It makes us wiser and smarter. And in this context, humility just means just open up the door a little bit. Open up the door. And then look how James says God will respond. And he'll lift you up. You know, if we're honest with ourselves completely, and we admit, you know what, I'm guilty. I'm accountable. I'm wrong. It can, it's a real downer. I mean, it's just like, oh, it's discouraging and depressing. We feel down. But James says, here's how your heavenly father will respond, respond to you when you do. He's going to look at you and go, I don't care how long you've been away. I don't care what you've done and been, what's been done to you. You may feel down. But when you open up the door, 
I will lift you up, and I will lift you up in a way you have never been lifted up in your entire life. When I was uh, uh, four or five years old, I had an, an obsession with clocks. And what's interesting, when I was a kid, I would have all sorts of obsessions. I had ties, and then I went to clocks. And uh, so I went around the house, and I just started playing with clocks all around the house. Well, one day, I decided to kind of break into the Holy of Holies, which was my parents' room, because we weren't allowed to go in our parents' room without them there. And I thought, you know what? I haven't been at their clocks yet. I need to get at their clocks. And so I went into my parents' room. They didn't know. And I went to my dad's alarm clock, and I was like, man, this is the nicest clock in the house. You know, so I started playing with it, messing around, all that stuff. Little did I know that I turned off his alarm. And, uh, and, and so it, and he just, you know, assumed it was set all the time. And so he went to bed, got up, and was late for work, and it was a very important day. He had a bunch of meetings and all this stuff. And he was like, well, I didn't know about it. So dad gets home, and uh, he calls me, calls me and my brothers. I have, two older, I have two older brothers, and he calls us into the kitchen, and he is mad. And my dad didn't get mad, mad that often. And he was like, someone messed with my clock. I want to know who did it. And I'm thinking, you know what, I'm just going to let them take the hit for me. So I'm just kind of sitting there, you know, and I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there. And finally, everybody starts to just kind of focus on the young one, which is me, you know? And uh, finally, I, I feel the pressure and all that stuff. And finally, I break. And I go, all right, Dad. I raise my hand. I did it, and I did it on purpose. What a, I think there is no better way that we can end this series is to just say, hey, God, I did it, and I did it on purpose. Would you be willing to take that step? Would you be willing? Would you be willing to open up the door? And listen, it, you don't have to have your life together. You don't have to have all the answers. You know, you're like, oh, I got so much stuff I'm carrying out. It's okay, it's okay. As James says, humble yourself before God. Open up the door, just even a little bit. And I know to get there, it's, it's, it's gonna feel depressing, it's gonna feel down, all that stuff. But remember, we open up the door just a little bit to God. We take that step. And he will lift us up in a place that we can never be without him. And so if you've never taken that opportunity to do this, uh, here, here's how we do this here. At Oak Creek, uh, I, I want you to do this with us. Uh, this is a conversation between God and you. And this is something where you just say, God, I'm, I'm going to open up the door to my heart. And I believe that you demonstrated your love for me by sending Jesus for me in his death paid paid the penalty for my guilt for everything that i've done and i experienced forgiveness for him and then by his resurrection i go i'm gonna follow you jesus i'm gonna follow you so i'm gonna have everybody bow their head and close their eyes and like i said don't be afraid of going yeah i am guilty and i'm accountable and you know what i'm i am wrong because you're not going to stay down long when you open up, that, open up that door to your heavenly Father. And so I'm going to pray, and I, I, I want you to just say your words in your heart. But I'll, I'll, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to guide us. Heavenly Father, um, uh, we're, we're coming clean. And uh, we're going to do something that is a very good thing to do. That's we're going to humble ourselves before you. Uh, God, um, as we open up the door to heart, we, we just admit to you that, you know, God, we, we're guilty we're guilty. I mean, God, we've done things, and uh, they're bigger than mistakes. They're bigger because we did them on purpose. But God, there are things that, that we can never pay back. And God, you know what? We, we are accountable. We know that. We know there's a standard, and the standard isn't us. The standard is you, and we've all fallen short of that. And you know what, God? We've been wrong. We've been wrong. 
And um, so we open up the door to our heart. God, we believe that you sent your son, that you demonstrated your love for us by sending Jesus. And he died and he rose. And his sacrifice bridges that gap between you and, you and us. And so God, um, I thank you that in feeling down of admitting all this, that you love us so much, that you'll lift us up. Father, um, we open up our hearts to you. We take the step today to draw near to you, to follow you with our lives. And God, I thank you. I thank you that when we take this step, we take this step. Not only are we forgiven, all the stuff is, is wiped clean. All the stuff is wiped clean. You lift us up. Thank you, Father, for your love and your grace and your mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.